You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this episode number 40 of Socialist News and Views. In this second part of our show, we have perspectives from friends and listeners about the potential for a rise of fascism in the United States. With such an important issue, we are giving it more time, so we start with brief news headlines. PSL statement, midterm elections, the people reject the program of the right, is the title of a statement from November 11th on Liberation News that says, quote, Votes in some parts of the country are still being counted and other important data is still emerging, But at this stage, at least, one conclusion can be drawn. There is a large and determined current in society that wants to stand against the far right, end quote. You can find more on liberationnews.org. November 15th, an article appears on World Socialist website entitled FTX Collapse, a damning exposure of the criminality of capitalism, written by Nick Beams. The article says the owner-founder of FTX had already told Bloomberg In an interview last April that the company was essentially a Ponzi scheme, you can read more on that at WSWS.org. Brian Bean and Shireen Akram Boshar write an article for Tempest Mag also on November 15th entitled Free Allah Abdel El Fattah, hashtag free them all. COP27 puts the spotlight on Egypt's political prisoners. The article ends by underlining the, quote, imperative of linking climate change efforts to social justice demands and ramping up our solidarity efforts, end quote, to hashtag free them all, referring to activists held for protesting for climate democracy during the COP27 summit in Egypt. You can read more on tempestmag.org. That same day, Lily Meyerson has an article on Truth Out entitled Billionaire-Funded Anti-Science Campaigns Are Causing Unnecessary Deaths. The article discusses a so-called infodemic that the World Health Organization described as, quote, overabundance of information, some accurate and some not, that makes it hard for people to find trustworthy sources and reliable guidance when they need it, end quote. It also discusses the role Texas may play in setting vaccine policy. You can read more on truthout.org. What we know about the explosion in Poland is the title of a piece on Al Jazeera from November 16th with the subheadline, The missile blast has intensified global fears about the Ukraine war spiraling even further. The piece is compiled mostly with news agency content. You can read more on aljazeera.com. And now we go to a musical break with a song from the 2006 album Permanent Revolution from the band Catch-22. The song is entitled A Minor Point.
death that it worked in Critics cry a bloody day But people still die anyway The ones who understand their roles Can't help us save the world Histories are falling us To stop a tune occasion To form a new foundation You must first tear down the walls Tear down the walls to U.S. Fascism Perspectives. These perspectives were all recorded over the phone this summer in June and July. First, you will hear the question I asked on Facebook, followed by four responses. This is an important issue, so we allowed more time, but all the responses have been slightly edited for time and clarity. Here they are. Do we have fascism in the United States today? Have we always had a strain of fascism in the United States? If fascism is present in the U.S. today, what indicates most clearly that this is the case? And if fascism is not present in the U.S. today, what elements are missing? Hi, uh, my name is Marcus Parker. I live in Illinois. I'm retired. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I read the question, this has been an issue for me um, for a little while, um, like since Trump came in. Like people calling Trump fascist and is he fascist, is he not a fascist? Um, I, I, that to me is kind of the purview of like leftists, like, you know, really committed leftists, whether we are an official fascism or not, to me, it's not that important, um, whether we are or not, except for, um, I, I think we do need to recognize that we, we really don't even have a working bourgeois democracy anymore. There's just really... Elections in the U.S., in my opinion, are are rigged one way or the other, either by the amount of money a candidate needs to run or actual rigging and strings being pulled and things like that. Um, it's like we always get the worst possible outcome out of every election, and that can't just be by chance. I mean, anyway, so <clears throat> um, I, I, I think possibly what we do have is worse than is in some ways worse than like nationalistic fascism because at least nationally 
nationalistic fascism, the government made some attempts to take care of its citizens, whereas here it's just a free-for-all. It's just chaos. It's just uh, this bogus survival of the fittest idea being implemented on a mass scale. Um, and it, it's really coming home to roost. I mean, I really feel like the United States as we know it is 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 collapsing. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take. Um, and, I, you know, I, I on one hand, I, I cheer for that. I think the world would be better off without this insane bully with nuclear weapons and every other weapon you can think of uh, hitting everyone over the head being gone. But it, personally, like, I'm very vulnerable to any disruptions in the system, so I'm... Uh, I know that maybe the end of me too, because, uh, if it gets too rough. My name is Toby Sterling. I live in the Twin Cities, and yeah, my political background is pretty broad. I once, short time, ran for governor of Minnesota. Fascism is always present. Um, it can be called other things, but um, like the. The biggest thing right now is one of our our political parties is like openly saying that elections are a fraud, and because of that, you need to elect us. Um, that's I mean, there's nothing worse than that. They're trying to anyway. Um, the other major thing is that that one ideology, one philosophy doesn't believe that a certain segment of people are people. Whether you're, you're uh, part of the LGBTQ community, um, whether you're black, whether you're you know, person of color, indigenous, it's the, they're the other. And, and their mere existence is cause for concern. The latest version of fascism that's happening now uh, stems, in my opinion, from from the c civil rights movement and Jim Crow. When when um, the civil rights, everybody was given the the right to vote. Um, you couldn't deny that anymore. Um, you couldn't deny um, uh, black people's presence in in at a pool or in a classroom. Uh, the 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 right wing of, of society or the, the previous people who held those opinions said, all right, we're not going to fund these things anymore. The pools shut down. The, um, that's, a, that's the rise of, of private uh, schools. And, and those same fights are what's fighting today, the defunding of, of public school, schools and um, the privatization of of schools, and then um, you could you can follow the path from there to where we are now. My name is Victoria Lumhall. I live in South Minneapolis. To answer this question, I would like to use Dr. Lawrence Britt's 14 characteristics of fascism and compare those to current conditions in the U.S. Number one, powerful and continuing nationalism. Across the country, there's a campaign to censor what is taught in U.S. history classes because teaching objectively about American history requires confronting the indigenous genocide of so-called Manifest Destiny 
The Crime Against Humanity of the Enslavement of African People as Chattel, The Hypocrisy of Claiming All People Are Created Equal When Only White Property-Owning Males Were Considered People, Make America Great is the major talking point of both major parties. Number two, disdain for the recognition of human rights. According to Amnesty International, the U.S. has human rights failings in regards to LGBTQ people, reproductive rights, violence against women, migrants' rights, arbitrary detention in Guantanamo, freedom of assembly, excessive use of force, intimidation and harassment of human rights defenders and journalists, the death penalty, torture, persistent gun violence, unlawful drone killings of civilians, right to housing, climate change and environmental degradation, and rejecting international human rights oversight mechanisms. Number three, identification of enemies slash scapegoats as a unifying cause. FBI data indicates skyrocketing rates of hate crimes against Asian Americans, Black Americans, Jewish Americans, Latinx Americans, and LGBTQ Americans. Four, supremacy of the military. The United States military spends more than the next nine countries combined. The Pentagon has never passed an audit, and $35 trillion was unaccounted for in 2019 alone. Five, rampant sexism. One in three women experience intimate partner violence. Four out of five Native women experience some form of violence in their lifetimes. Only 27% of Congress are women. The U.S. has not passed the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution. The systematic targeting of trans people is also clearly sex discrimination. Six, controlled mass media. Under Trump, the Justice Department used secret court orders to obtain details about the communications of reporters at CNN, the Washington Post, and the New York Times. The ACLU sued the Department of Homeland Security for interrogating journalists at the border and seizing their notes and cameras. In 2013, under Obama, the Justice Department seized phone records for 20 lines used by Associated Press reporters. The Obama administration also invoked the Espionage Act to prosecute nine leakers. Movies like uh, Captain America and Top Gun Maverick use military assets and have their scripts approved by the Pentagon. Number seven, obsession with national security. The concentration camps at the border are a source of international outrage at the human rights abuses, but they're justified on the basis of so-called national security. Airport patrons are continually subjected to invasive and discriminatory screenings with no measurable impact on safety. The Patriot Act, which allows government spying on civilians, was renewed in 2020. Number eight, religion and government intertwined. Recent Supreme Court rulings have allowed teachers to conduct prayers in public schools, allowed states to strip people of their right to choose whether to carry a pregnancy, and requiring taxpayer subsidies for students to attend private schools to include religious institutions. Number nine, corporate power is protected. Corporate power is enshrined in the Citizens United decision that allows corporations unlimited spending on political campaigns through super PACs. A Princeton and Northwestern University study showed the U.S. is an oligarchy, concluding that uh, when, quote, when a majority of citizens disagrees with economic elites and or with organized interests, they generally lose, and, quote, even when fairly large majorities of Americans favor policy change, they generally do not get it. Ten, labor power is suppressed. Since the Reagan administration, union membership declined from 20% of the workforce to around 10% of the workforce, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Despite recent positive efforts at unionization at Amazon and Starbucks, the amount of 
illegal interference that corporations are allowed to get away with shows the balance still heavily favors the rich. Number 11, disdain for intellectuals and the arts. From attacks on school curriculum to the ridicule of woke college professors and students, to the continued hostility to the reality of climate change, to the medical misinformation rampant in attacks on reproductive rights and the rights to receive gender-affirming health care, to outright denial of a global pandemic, anti-intellectualism is strong in the U.S., heavily biased right-wing media outlets proliferating alternative facts are on the rise. Number 12, obsession with crime and punishment. Rampant police brutality threatens the civil rights and physical well-being of people in America, especially black and brown people. Narratives around police brutality are consistently pivoted to target the victim and write them off as criminal, deserving of anything that happens to them. Number 13, rampant cronyism and corruption. 65 members of Congress were caught violating the law on stock trades dealing with insider trading and conflicts of interest, according to Insider. Nancy Pelosi's husband's stocks received a rate of return of 69% and grew her wealth by $16.7 million in 2020, according to Sludge. Number 14, fraudulent elections. In 2013, the Supreme Court struck down a key part of the Voting Rights Act that required states and localities with a history of discrimination against minority voters to get changes cleared by the federal government before they went into effect. Opening the door for voter ID laws, closures of polling places, and requiring people to provide proof of citizenship to vote. According to the Sentencing Project, 5.2 million Americans were prohibited from voting due to disenfranchisement of people with felony convictions. Um, The Electoral College consistently allows people who have lost the popular vote by millions to be installed into power. Both Democrats and Republicans consistently gerrymander district lines to impact the vote. Election rules put up undemocratic barriers to third parties. Reforms like ranked choice voting are stifled. My name is Mina Shelley. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a non-binary transgender woman. Uh, I've actually been kind of frightened seeing the rise of fascism in the United States. Um, We can see it all around, in fact, but when I look back, I think we've had elements of fascism in our country at least since Prohibition. And Prohibition, I think, started it because it was we were trying to outlaw something, it went underground, and we kept attacking it. We were basically restricting people's freedoms. It's one thing to make it illegal to be drunk in public or have the consequences of being drunk affect other people and make that make that illegal. It's another to prohibit a substance, even for personal use, even in the use of your own home. And that overreach into the private realm, I think, was part of it. Uh, also, if we look at the Lavender Scare, of the 1950s, that was another overreach um, and another form of fascism. What happened is they were basically, due to the paranoia of the Cold War at that point in time, they were basically releasing anybody who they thought was a um, security risk for any reason. Particularly this fell hard on gay people. In fact, the government basically in their talking points made gay people synonymous with communists. That's anybody in the LGBTQ community at the time. If you were outed as being gay, you would lose your job. 
and then you basically live as a pariah. You were exposed to the potential of violence. They basically had to live underground. As it became more acceptable in society in places like New York and Chicago and San Francisco, uh, there were raids on bars when there was a lot of entrapment where officers of the law would come into a bar or come into a, a cruising space and they would basically try and get people to take them up on the offer for sexual intercourse of you know, people of the same sex and then they would arrest them but it wasn't just necessarily arresting them there was also corruption involved sometimes you could pay a fine and get away if you know if the officer was inclined that way um, bars had to pay um, basically bribery in order to keep the cops off their backs. That's the only way it became big business for the mafia when people need protection and need that kind of money to bribe city hall and officials to keep open the facility because they're unfairly being biased against. Um, crime organizations get involved and take advantage of that. So once again, there's another example and people would be incarcerated you had to wear at least three articles of clothing of your designated sex at birth, or you were in violation of the law and could be taken to jail and charged with a crime. In fact, one of the texts they would use is during busts is oftentimes they would just arrest people, but then not charge them with a crime because the punishment for just being arrested, I mean, your name was printed in the paper along with your home address and your photograph. And basically, it would be um, outing the people. They'd lose their jobs. They would uh, maybe lose their family. A lot of people in the early, homos you know, a lot of early homosexual people were married because that was what was expected of them. Uh, I'm also seeing a lot of things going on in our society that line up with Umberto Eco's 14 traits of fascism. One of them is... The first one he said was the cult of tradition and what was the legal argument or the quote-unquote legal argument that was used in the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade so that it didn't match up with the history and tradition of our country. So an appeal to the past and negating, you know, basically saying that what's happened in the last, you know, 200 years doesn't matter. There's also that appeal to Christianity, Christianity being seen as the original way, you know, the original traditions of our people, even though the way that Christianity is now is not the same way the founders practiced their religion. The number one is a rejection of modernism. And I see that very much as well. There's a great rejection of science going on, an appeal to common sense, anti-education that I see in the right wing. One of the elements is that uh, there's a fear of difference. And if you look at the way people on the right are treating homosexuals, trans people, black people, Asian Americans, you know, um, people with disabilities, once again, anybody who is different is basically cast out of, you know, these highly religious churches we still have 
50% of homeless youth, half, you know, half of them are some form of LGBTQ folks. You know, this has happened through an appeal to social frustrations and they're trying to blame, they're trying to ride the inflation that big businesses cause. They're trying to use people's frustration with their own lack of power, their lack of ability to affect change in the government to rile people up towards fascism. There's also a big obsession with a plot. Now, if you look at the way they talk about the gay agenda or mentions of the Jewish space laser, everything under QAnon, the uh, concept that there's a conspiracy of democratic politicians that are a pedophile ring. You know, the idea that the medical community and transgender activists are trying to trans people's children. It's definitely very there. It's very, very much there. I mentioned the able inherent ableism and how they treat people with disabilities. They have a contempt for the weak. In their case, they defining anybody as weak, you know, weak as, you know, those who are gender nonconforming, especially those associated with femininity or womanhood, people with disabilities, the neurodivergent. There's a, one of these is everybody is educated to be your hero, and we can see that through military worship, gun owner, you know, the gun ownership and the gun culture, and these so-called warrior cops where instead of enforcing laws and protecting their community, they're too busy trying to be heroes and fight the other. There's also a cult of machismo that goes along with these. We can see that in how gun culture is and how they're handling the Second Amendment, trying to hoard guns, you know. So the culture, the culture of the right wing is so based around guns and the way women are treated, overturning Roe v. Wade, the way that men react to the suggestion that maybe masculinity can be expressed in other ways than toxic masculinity. One of the things they do is they try and control education. They uh, use what would be called newspeak, which is a concept from 1984, where using a limited vocabulary, they try and limit how people can think. And we can see their attempts to do that with trying to ban CRT from schools, going so far as to ban math books for teaching CRT. The way that Florida and other places are pushing the don't say gay bills, they're trying to make sure people don't find out anything about being queer. You know, the uh, slang terms that are effectively meaningless or changing the meaning of words, for example, using postmodern cultural Marxism, you know, to say anything even liberal things at this point, um, the calling of all LGBTQ people groomers, they're changing the meaning of the word, trying to change the word meaning of the word groomer. So uh, it's something that greatly concerns me. I honestly fear that we're incredibly close to a situation of queer genocide. If one were to look at the pyramid of... Uh, there's a, a diagram. It's a pyramid of like prejudice or a pyramid of genocide. And at the very bottom, it starts with bias. Things like stereotyping, belittling jokes, non-inclusive language, justifying bias by seeking out like-minded people, accepting negative information and screening out positive. It escalates to individual acts of prejudice like name-calling, social avoidance, slurs, 
dehumanization and bullying. Then we get into discrimination, economic, employment, educational, political, and housing discrimination, segregation. Then it will move into bias-motivated violence, murder, rape, assault, threats, arson, terrorism, vandalism, desecration. If you look at where on the news lately, it looks like we're already on bias-motivated violence with the uh, recent arson of the two houses that were displaying pride flags early, you know, in June. And then the step after that is genocide, the act or intent to deliberately and systematically annihilate an entire people. The Republican Party is already trying to do that by denying people hormones, denying children the ability to transition. They're now trying to deny people under 25 the ability to transition, trying to shut down drag and make it illegal for children to be at drag events. The fact that Clarence Thomas suggested they should also review Obergefell and uh, Lawrence v. Texas, which are the two Supreme Court decisions. Obergefell v. Hodges is the one that uh, allowed gay marriage or said that we can't make gay marriage illegal. And Lawrence versus Texas is the one that banned sodomy laws. So those are my concerns. That's what I see coming down the pipe. That's where I, where I think we are right now. And that is our show. Thank you for listening. One last note, a third railroad union has rejected a tentative agreement. So keep your eyes on the railroad as there is still a potential for a strike come December. Solidarity. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.